2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk.
3: It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com.
2: Football. Hey, welcome into Purple Daily, where we're going to have Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus help us with some important nerd-related Vikings questions that we have off this loss to Dallas and just like the structure of the team. We'll do that in just a second, but quick, let's crack a couple of Corona Hard <laughs> Seltzers here. It's been a rough week for Vikings fans, and uh, the the dreams of running the table are now crushed because of that Dallas loss. Well, let
3: that me one. tell you, I think I think the football nerds can really love some Corona Hard Seltzers. I think if, if you're looking for something delicious, you're looking for something therapeutic, and you're also looking for something uh, uh, also an, an analytic driven base on, on, on alcohol, I would go with Corona Hard Seltzers, okay? They can really help you out because it's the only hard seltzer made with Pure Beach vibes with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike, sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment in each can. Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly, Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois
0: football So, I heard it all week long, right? Oh and nine on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. You like how this tastes? Yeah. Yeah. Wish
2: we could go back to a simpler time, a simpler time when Mike Zimmer was was botching the line in the locker room. After the Vikings won uh, three straight division games. But here we are after a devastating loss to the Cowboys. It's Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd, Declan Producing. And Tuesdays are our football nerd stat segment of the week. Where we bring out various statistics and trends and numbers. And we try to make sense of them. And we thought, let's let's bring in someone who knows this stuff way better than we do. Pro Football focuses Eric Eager and friend of the show. Uh, Eric, there are so many things to get into here with you. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. I mean, there was a fun week of football. You got, uh, you know, Sunday night was a, a magnificent game. Last night was a little, uh, you know, uh, rough on the eyes, but it was a close game at least. Thursday night was cool as well. Um, obviously, the purple didn't come through, but, um, you know, that is to be expected, I think. So, uh, yeah, not bad.
2: Let's throw this one out first here. Jud- Judd and I both have a ton of statistics in terms of, like, the Vikings in the fourth quarter and late in games. But the first number I want to throw out is the fourth quarter comeback thing. And, and again, we people always hammer us because we're hard on Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins played a great, great game on Sunday. And, like, of, of the-, the laundry list of reasons why the Vikings lost that game, Kirk Cousins is not anywhere near the top of it. On the last couple of drives, just doing some digging on this here, There have been 168 fourth quarter comebacks in the NFL regular season over the past three years, according to stathead.com. 168. The Vikings have one of them. They just don't like people are well, but the defense gave up leads. Get that. The defense was terrible. The run defense, all those things are true. We'll get to all those things. But in the NFL, and Eric, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the NFL, most games come down to a quarterback has the ball with a chance to win or tie. And an offense has the, has the chance to drive down the field, and uh, and the Vikings had that chance again, even though they blew a couple fourth quarter leads. They had that chance again on Sunday. Justin Jefferson drops a pass. Dalvin Cook can't really be used because you're not handing off, and and they look nothing like the offense we saw in the first two and a half hours of real time. What do you what do you make of their inability to function offensively in the later stages of these games?
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, I sort of take the good with the bad. I mean, on uh, Monday night, you know, a week ago, Cousins was like 10 out of 11 for, you know, perfect pass rating on third down. And Justin Jefferson was 5 for 5 for 102 yards. He had like 35 more receiving yards on third down than any other wide receiver in the NFL that week. Um, And that's noisy. And, of course, people who want to paint the Vikings as a good team – We'll say, oh no, no, that's just them being clutch. That's a that's a fundamental part of them being clutch. And then we look at the game on Sunday um, when you have receivers dropping balls. You have, um, you know, Kirk Cousins not really performing uh, that well uh, early in the game, or the offense not performing well early in the game, performing great in the middle parts of the game, and then petering out at the end. They say, oh, well, that's just noise. And it's like, well, no, all these things are kind of noisy. And you know, I come back to you know, what What position were you putting yourself in in that game? And, like, it's – it paints a – like, Dallas is one of the worst defenses, not only in the NFL this year, but in, in league history. And to go into halftime with just seven points uh, in that game, and I know some of that was turnovers, and, you know, Kirk probably should have gotten a penalty call uh, on his fumble. But, you know, that can't be ignored. The fact that they're even in a close game with that team, quarterback by Andy Dalton at home – um, it's probably more of an indictment than anything that really happened at the end of that drive. And I think that's sort of emblematic of the Vikings, right? Like they're good enough to extend against teams like Detroit against teams like, uh, you know, possibly Chicago. Um, and then when it gets close, like if Will Fuller doesn't let that ball hit the ground in Houston, they're probably in overtime, right? Like they've, they've had the good, they've, they've gotten the good and the bad at end the games this year. And I think part of, you know, that's a lot of it is noise, but then you wonder, you know, why are they even in this position in the first place? And it's because they don't necessarily play as good as expected most games.
0: So f- from a standpoint, too, of, of the of the um, execution of what this offense wants to do, here's my point and question as well. The post-bye week formula for Kubiak and Zim is very clear, right? Dalvin, 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 and then play action, and then Kirk. Then Kirk ha- has a chance to beat you because Cook, is so good but chicago fit figured it out they couldn't win and dallas did the exact same thing to me and that is okay we'll stop dalvin uh we'll keep the game close and we're not going to stop them completely but it's going to be close and then and then at the end we will force kirk to try and beat us and kirk can't and, and i i think a point that that you made on Twitter post-game, is that Dalvin really can't be used because you can't, like, hand him the ball trying to drive down the field late. And so the Vikings' plan is clear now, but the opponent's plan is clear too, which is, okay, Kirk, I dare you to beat us. And that's a situation in which Kirk, I think, would almost admit is probably not ideal for him.
1: Yeah, and that's really the issue I mean the, the Vikings have had this since Adrian Peterson too where you know you're at the end of the game and you're your best player and and later on in his career your high mo well, your highest paid player is on the bench in favor of Chester Taylor or Toby Gerhardt or something like that and it's because and and maybe this speaks to this point and that why are they bad at end of games well they're playing left-handed at the end of a game during the game they like to be in this sort of you know, run the football, run the football, play action, pass, throw on third down, and hopefully the number of third downs are few. But at the end of the game, like, all that pretense goes away. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I wasn't that high on the team this year because when you just looked at their schedule, there was a better than, you know, average chance that they would get behind against, you know, you know, the Rodgers of the world and the Matt Ryans of the world and, you know, just Russell Wilson's of the world. And they wouldn't be able to play that offense for the majority of the game the way that they did against the Chase Daniels and the Matt Moores and, you know, all the back of quarterback David Bliles that they played last year. And that and playing left handed sort of is, is out of character there. It, it's why, you know you, you know, you got, you know, uh, our friend Sage Rosenfels, for example, can look really good. Uh, you know, in in getting ahead against the Colts, for example, in his famous game. But by the time that they get behind, right, it's a totally different offense. And we've seen that, you know, Matt Schaub melted down once that team around him became, you know, less good. Right. And they're playing incrementally more from behind. Well, he looks like a Pro Bowl quarterback when they're always playing from ahead. And then Kirk is kind of in that realm. He played terrifically on Sunday. But he was expected to. I mean, when you look at the, the the Dallas Cowboys gave up 153 rushing yards to the Rams, 307 rushing yards to the Dallas or to the uh, Cleveland Browns, 261 rushing yards to Arizona, 208 rushing yards to the Washington Football Team, um, and they come in and they make stopping the run a focus against the Vikings. And any any offensive coordinator worth his salt. Uh, plays a different game plan. Last night, the Rams had a lead against Tampa Bay, a seven and three team at halftime, and they had five rushing yards the whole first half because they knew they weren't going to get anywhere running the football, and they had to play the pass. And that's with a quarterback who's kind of Kirk-like in Jared Goff. So, uh, you know, a lot of this is the, a lot of this is the issue with the Vikings is just the way that they're constructed, and Kirk is part of that construction. So, even when he plays well it's sort of a self owned for the vikings because of the way that they're built they still can't win in many cases
2: i want let's keep this conversation about how would you continue to build cuz cuz there are a lot of things to build off of if you're the vikings you've got justin jefferson is merged into the star player there's a couple players on defense that weren't going to get playing time that dj wannum you know guys that are showing that they can be relevant and so i definitely i want to mock, mock. I want to continue this building conversation, and I have a mock draft in front of me. And by the way, this mock draft is brought to you by Federated Insurance. I want a mock. Brought to you by Federated Insurance, helping local business owners since the early 1900s. They've been around about twice as long as the Vikings have been breaking all of our hearts here in the state of Minnesota. You can follow them on Twitter at Federated Ins for fresh, relevant risk management content. They're also a proud supporter of Gophers Athletics. So uh federatedinsurance.com if you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, more protection. And remember, at Federated, it's always our business to protect yours. Right now, according to the latest mock draft on com, this was posted four hours ago as we sit and record this, the Vikings have the 13th overall pick, and they are projected to take... Northwestern offensive lineman Rashawn Slater.
0: I want to mock, mock.
2: And there's another tankathon. Declan had them taking. Uh, was it which quarterback? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yep. So, Eric, if you are the Vikings right now and you're looking at all the different ways you could build off of whatever you have right now, would you look to? Would you look and say, all right, the defense has holes, and you need another pass rusher, and and you could maybe use some help. Uh, in different areas uh, you know behind the defensive line would you look and say boy if you could just fix that offensive line a little bit more kirk would have more time to throw and operate or would you look at the head of all of it at the quarterback and say boy if there's a talented young quarterback like how would you build off of what they're doing here
1: this this is where it gets really hard because and i and i have to you know remember what, uh our friends at over the cap they do terrific work i'm i'm currently on their side Next season, if they post June 1 him, right, he is a $10 million cap hit, which is sort of plausible, right? Um, And I mean, essentially, you have to make the decision to move on from Kirk Cousins if you want to draft a quarterback because, you know, a lot of their issues, again, stem from the fact that he uh, takes up such a substantial amount of their cap, right? And he will uh, for the foreseeable future. And every single year that you decide to go with him, it's sort of a plus one. Right. And so I, I don't mind them. Obviously if uh, Zach will, you know, he, he represents, I think a quarterback that's probably going to be picked in the top five, um, by the time it's all said and done, he's playing terrifically. Um, you know, Trey Lance, I think there's a lot of question marks there with him. Um, you know, they could obviously trade up and, and get one of the, the top two guys, which I think, are sort of slam dunks to be good prospects in the NFL, but you look at the Vikings like there's a number of places where they need help. I mean, th- this draft of wide receivers. I mean, you, we saw it with the Gophers on on Friday night. Like uh, Rondell Moore would be terrific in an offense that had already had Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's also not a spring chicken, you know. You might want to also think about him, but you know their weapons. Could, they could use one more weapon. Irv Smith being the sort of lead tight end. Dalvin Cook at running back, and three brilliant wide receivers would, I think, make everybody's life easier, especially if they sort of protected their offensive line through quick passing the way that the Rams did last night and the way the Patriots did forever with Tom Brady. But you look at the defense, like, obviously, I think Anthony Barr is probably a goner, um, given how good Eric Wilson's played. Kendricks is good. Uh, they're fine at safety. They're, they're aging a little bit. They do need some players to rush the passer and to create heat uh, up front, and they always need more corners. So there's just a lot of places to look. In my opinion, it all does start with what you said, with A, A, their offensive philosophy, which I think stems from the head coach, and and then obviously what to do with Kirk
0: Cousins. That's a point that I wanted to broach next, Eric, and it's this. So let's forget Kirk because, I mean, Kirk is – you mentioned Kirk and it's a lightning rod, both good and bad. Um, As a guy who studies trends and this league continually, Eric – does what Mike Zimmer wants to do not defensively but offensively does it work and i don't care who the quarterback is he has his philosophy does his desire for offensive execution that he likes to see does it work
1: yeah but then it but then why spend all that money on cousins right like the 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 whole hack of that entire situation is that you don't have to you, you can have a guy like Sage at the quarterback position and still do fine. Right. That, and that's, that's really the tricky thing. Yeah. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're trying to run Brad Childress's offense, it was pretty clear that you needed a good quarterback to overcome a lot of the, a lot of Brad and, and Daryl Bevel's sort of misgivings. But if you, if you think that your quarterback, your, your offense is quarterback proof, this is why this entire thing I think has been rough on the Vikings because you know, it was sort of like they married cousins, right? For his stability and his, and his, you know, and then they had this like midlife crisis, right? And, and Kirk, like being sort of a steady income guy, like he couldn't fulfill that for them. Right. And so then they're trying to like live like this, like incongruent life with cousins right now. And like, I just don't, I don't understand it. Like I, I don't think he can be the quarterback of a team that you run this way with a defense as that is as bad as it is, with a coach who's as defensive-minded as he is, it all of it seems sort of like not a really good, mo- you know, working thing for them. I don't mind having Kubiak as the offensive coordinator as long as the quarterback um, is sort of uh, paid in in conjunction with that approach. It's just not, and that's and that to me is why, like I think a lot of a lot of Vikings fans get upset with me, come saying like they were better off at zero and two than they are now. And it's like, well, why? They've played a lot better. It's like, yeah, but they're just gonna they're kicking the can. Like this thing needs, I think, a substantial rebuild. Um, and I think it starts with Kirk, even as well as Kirk has played, because he's played fine over the past, you know, six to eight weeks.
2: Eric, what about what about the defense? What what do you see if if Deniel Hunter gets cleared at some point and then wants a substantial pay increase and wants to be the highest paid defender or he's gonna hold out? Um, how do you view his his situation relative to the salary cap? What, what do you think they have defensively right now?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, part of the again, this all comes back, but part of the part of the promise of the Minnesota Vikings over the past three, four, five years was that they hit so well on the draft. I mean, they had in the last years of Frazier, they had you know two and a half first round picks per year and a lot of them ended up playing well Rhodes was great Uh, Harrison Smith was great Uh, Trey Waynes was serviceable Um, you know obviously then they had the the 2015 year when you also added Kendricks and Hunter uh, and Diggs and the problem is and this is the mistake Green Bay has made and why Green Bay has only won one Super Bowl with Rodgers despite him being a you know transcendent talent is that you make decisions based upon this idea that you can replicate those drafts and there's there's almost no evidence in the history of, of NFL drafting that any team is better than any other team. It's, it's really, uh, you know, a, a crapshoot. And so the problem I have is, yeah, look, if Gladney, Dantzler, uh, you know, Troy die, um, you know, all these draft picks that they have, like if they hit the way that they hit it, the 2015 clip, this is, all systems are a go for the Vikings. Like, you know, and, and, the, you know, they draft a quarterback and he, they're, they're a Super Bowl contender again. If you have any sort of perturbation off of that off of that high-end, you know, drafting, which we've already seen with Treadwell and Clem, like all those guys down the road, Drew Samia is a fourth-round pick and he's the worst player on the team. <laughs> any sort of perturbation from that, and again, you're working off of assumptions that I think the Vikings are making but that aren't reality, which is that, oh, we can we can draft defensive players and coach them up. Well, maybe, no, maybe you just got lucky and drafted a bunch of players and your coaching made a 10% difference. But if these players are 20% worse, you're still not going to be able to cover that spread. And and I think that that's where they are. And I, I think that's why I say, okay, continue to draft premium positions because that's the numbers game you have to play. And unfortunately they fi- they think that they're a made hand already. And that's why they go for Garrett Bradbury at a sort of non-premium position. Um, you know, that's why, you know, they're making some moves that I think are suboptimal. Now this year they they drafted a bunch of premium positions and it, and hopefully it works out, but, I don't know. I think they have to continue to to make to do that approach. Draft defensive backs, retain Hunter. Um, you know, get a three technique. I think Sheldon Richardson's probably the biggest loss for them uh, that's gone under the radar the past few yeah. years, and, and try to win that way. Um, but the problem is, it's going to be hard because it's marginally more difficult to do that when you have your your best defensive player and your best offensive player both veterans on market level deals. Usually, these really smart teams like to pair quarterback. Uh, and, and a high-priced veteran if the quarterback's on a rookie deal or a high-priced quarterback and then a premium position uh, player. So, for example, San Francisco has Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick, and, uh, and Nick Bosa. Um, you know, one of the guys is highly paid. One of the guys is on a rookie deal. Uh, you know, Cleveland has Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett, one guy on a rookie deal, one guy on a, a veteran deal. Like, that's really the analytically sound way to do it. Once you have both of those positions both paid at the top of the market, then everywhere else is a is a you know ten team parlay that you're trying to you're trying to get lucky and hit on.
0: It's very odd too because it seems like, d- despite the fact that they have I think the right um, structure in the GM and coach, uh, it's almost as if in the past few years that they don't necessarily work on the same page. And so Spielman's trying to accumulate accumulate, which I actually like. But then it's also like he's trying to do Mike's bite, biting for him. And so he's trying to go out and make what you're talking about, which is immediate win now moves. And and it leaves the Vikings in sort of this middle ground, which I don't get. Um, and it's frustrating to watch because I think a fair question is, what are you doing here? Like, what's the, go- what's the goal here? Is the goal to win a Super Bowl in two years? Or are you trying to win one right now? And I think if you were to pump Spielman and Zimmer full of truth serum and ask him that question, I don't know that they could tell you. It's just sort of like it's a week-to-week existence right now to me.
1: Well, and and I messaged uh, you guys have Courtney Cronin on a lot, and she's terrific, and I think she or she had the thread the other day about why they're playing Dalvin Cook so much um, and, and, you know, and having Alexander Madison on the bench. And I think Madison's a perfect example of, you know that was a good draft pick. They traded back a number of times. They got a running back in the back of the third round, probably could start for a number of teams. Um, but obviously, you pay Dalvin Cook, and you know then you start to wonder, okay, well, we're a four and six team. How like why are we giving all this all these carries to Dalvin Cook in a season that's mostly lost? But then you realize the incentives, and what are the incentives? Well, they obviously went to the Wilfs and said, look, like we need to pay Dalvin Cook. And the Wills, I think, are more than happy to do that because it gives them good press and he's a superstar player. But like, and and I I talk about this on my podcast, the PFF forecast, a lot of, for 27 to 28 teams in the NFL, it's all about building these fake trophies. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter that we traded away three years of draft picks and our quarterback stinks. Khalil Mack's defensive player of the year. But it's like, well, that doesn't matter because you are you have one of the worst franchises in the league now because of that decision. Mm-hmm. And it's like for Cook, it's it's the same thing. It's like we drafted a running back who had character concerns. A lot of question marks got hurt in year one. We stuck with him, And now look, he's this brilliant trophy. Like we have Dalvin Cook is an MVP candidate running back. And it's like, well, that's meaningless. Like you're four and six and you suck. And it's like, and some of these teams, but they make decisions to sort of puff those up. Why? Because then they could justify their existence at whether the head coach, OC, uh, general manager. And and it's it's always like, that's always kind of where I look to see is like, why are these teams making these kind of decisions? And it's almost always out of like, their incentives are a little bit different than winning the most games over the next six to five wow. years or winning the Super Bowl, uh, you know, let's say in the next 10 years.
2: Eric, great stuff, man. Great stuff. And by the way, yeah, the PFF Forecast podcast. You can find Eric talking nerd football things on a regular basis, and uh, we we appreciate your level-headed, analytical insights on the Minnesota Vikings. We'll we'll have you on again sometime soon, man.
0: Thanks, Eric.
1: Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank uh, stay too. safe.
2: You too, man. Thanks, All right, Eric Eager. You can follow him on Twitter too. It's uh, PFF Eric, and that was a great description what he just said let's let's dive into Shorty that here, here so meaningless trophies yep. in in the NFL and if if it where my mind went right away is Adrian Peterson's 7 or 8 years in purple too and it was actually it was actually a more i think strategically sound decision to build your team around a running back in 2007 eight, 9 than it is now because you were at least still kind of on the like yeah it was a passing era but you were still kind of on the tail end of Mm -hmm. running back era as well, right? Mm -hmm. And the Vikings have spent so much time over the past 15 years with great running backs, and those running backs are – like Dalvin Cook might be a Hall of Fame running back. Adrian Peterson's a first-ballot Hall of Fame running back. But what does it matter that Adrian Peterson led the league with a 2,000-yard season in 2012? Like when you think back your time watching Vikings football – do you really give a crap that Adrian Peterson ran for 2,000 yards in 2012? Like, it was fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it was definitely, like, one of the most fun individual performances in my life watching Vikings yeah, you football. You never felt
0: like that team, though, had a chance to actually make a run. You didn't. Right. Ever. But
2: but that dude was making, at one point, twice as much money as yeah. the second highest paid player at his own position. And it really hurt the Vikings' ability to go after other things that could help them. Yes. Offensive line. What You, you wonder, why, why did the offensive line erode? You know well, what? The Vikings were paying a million dollars a game to Brett Favre, and they were paying Adrian Peterson like $14 million a year, 10 years before anybody else
0: made that money at that position. So he, I, I think you could make a pretty good case that the Vikings' best strategy in the last 20 years, like just the best sound, I, I'm not talking on one player, but I'm talking across the board, Um, As questionable as coach as he was, and I think Longwell's the guy who has pointed this out and maybe Sage too, but it's absolutely correct. Brad Childress was a better personnel guy than a coach. And if you recall, when he came in and identified um, with a bunch of cash because the the Wills basically said, go spend, in 2006, what he did was what? He came in and said, our lines are bad. Offensive line, defensive line. I'm going to sign guys. Steve... Hutchinson got signed. Uh, Chester Taylor, who was a good back, not a star, but really good and versatile, got signed. Uh, he may, he went through and made a bunch of signings that solidified places where it makes sense to. So it wasn't, oh, one big splash on one player. It was, no, small splash here, small splash there. Um, and that's the construction that I'm talking about. And here's where Sunday's loss, Phil, I think is so troubling because... I stand by what I said yesterday. Sunday's loss was actually the exact formula that the head coach would have chosen for that game. Think about it. Two put lead, it all on your defense two leads at the in end. In the fourth quarter, my defense is going to my offense is good enough to get us the lead. Who doesn't blow it? My defense. That's Mike's whole world. And it didn't work against Dallas, which is which yeah, stinks. Twice twice. Right. So so the problem the flaw there if I was to call Mike in I would say Mike how you envision this team is how that game played out exactly? It was not a blowout, it was not it was absolutely how you told me the Viking stew is going to work. And to what you just said is exactly right. You blew that lead twice. And he would
2: say, "Well, yeah, obviously we're having a down season defensively. That's why in the draft and free agency coming up, we need to make sure that we get a we get a three technique in the first round, and then we spend a third round pick on a safety over here because Ant Harris has to go away, and you can't franchise him again, or you, you probably probably don't want to. Like he would say, right? So to get back to where we need to be defensively, let's spend whatever resources we have financially or draft capital wise on defensive players, mm-hmm. and then and and then you're sort of back to the same formula that you've been at for seven or eight years, and I think it's just showing you this year, when you look at what this defense was in 2017, which was the best in the NFL, and where it's eroded to in the second half of that Dallas game against that team and Andy Dalton, mm-hmm. it shows you how impossible it is That's exactly to right. maintain the top defense in the NFL. Yep. You lose players because of age, yep. you lose players to free agency, you lose players to injury, it's not like, oh man, we lost a guy, plug him back in, all all 10 other guys are going to be around for 5 or 10 years. You build a defense, and you hope to get sort of lucky with health, age, draft picks, everything, and coaching, and have it culminate into what the 85 Bears defense became. And, and go look at that defense the later part of that decade. It wasn't the same. Go look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense like three years after 2002. Guess what? It wasn't the same, right? It was still decent, mm-hmm. but... It's, you, you can't have all these pieces fall by the wayside and then expect to just like, oh, we'll just draft a couple more guys and sign a couple guys in free agency. That's not how it works. You're never going to be able to be the number one defense for like 10 straight years. And, it's never happened in the NFL's history.
0: And not, it, there is one position. There is one spot at, at which I can ha- have a guy who, if he is really elite and good, can control things. Quarterback. See, the Vikings' p- problem is they're trying to like build a perfect defense. And they can sometimes, yeah. But it's eleven human beings, right? If I get the one that works, guess what? I've got a minute thirty-seven left on the clock at home on Sunday. Yeah. Guess what I'm doing? Getting into field goal position, yeah. right?
2: You know the Chiefs have a lot of flaws this season. The Chiefs have the Chiefs have had defensive flaws. The Chiefs have had some like they're you know they they drafted a rookie running back because they've had kind of a running back uh, rotating revolving door the last two or three years and um and they've had skill position players get hurt, wide receivers get hurt, right? And so you could sit there as a Chiefs fan and you could definitely point out all the different things that need to be fixed. And those things do need to be fixed even for a Super Bowl champion team. But guess what? They got Pat Mahomes. He fixes all of it. And
0: that's what Reed said on Sunday. Yep. And he, so, said, he basically said I've got my homes. I'm not worried late in games. Think about that. So when we sit here and we have these conversations, even after
2: Kirk plays the, because I, I know people are pissed at us, like when Kirk plays the game of his life, I'm not blaming him. totally deserves credit. He was amazing in that game. He's now, by the way, uh nerd stat alert here, the sixth highest graded quarterback, according to pro football focus this year. Do I, are there, are there only five guys I would take ahead of Kirk to lead my franchise? No, there's a longer list. And most of them are mobile quarterbacks. But when we watch what happened late in that game, and the Vikings have the ball with a minute 50 left or a minute and a half left and a timeout, and they just have to get to field goal range to tie the game, ideally they score a touchdown, Mm all right? When that drive fails, not necessarily because of Cousins, you know, offensive line didn't play great on that drive, and and neither did Justin Jefferson. Mm -hmm. But when that drive fails, Mm -hmm. most people turn their attention to Jefferson's drop pass, The defense blew the lead twice in the fourth quarter, and the offensive line is bad. So go fix all those things. I look at that drive, and I think you do too, and I say, well, it's impossible to fix all of those things at the same time. Because when you fix those things, then other things pop up, right? You're not going to have a perfect roster around your quarterback unless you are damn lucky. You need a quarterback that can overcome those things that aren't perfect. Okay. Right? Right. That can. Oh my God, my receiver dropped a pass. I need to run for a first down on the next play. Right. Or oh my God, offensive line is uh, is is crowding me here because they can't they can't keep the Dallas defensive line at bay. I need to flush and keep a play alive and throw a ball downfield. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want for this franchise. And it's not to say that Kirk was bad on Sunday. It's to say that his skill set isn't good enough to overcome. All the things that you guys all want to fix, you can't fix all those things at the same time.
0: All right, but let's take Kirk out. Kirk has become he's become too big of central focus as the problem to what is a grander problem. Let's pick on. Let's turn our attention towards picking on Dalvin Cook, okay? Because it's not his fault. He's really good, but he's a running back. Okay, And late in games, when I'm starting at my own 25, down by three, guess who doesn't really give me a lot at that point? My highly paid running back. It's why the Chiefs went and drafted one. Because you know what they said? We got this guy for cheap for four or five years. This is great. Um, Dalvin Cook is a marvelous player. But again, instead of picking on individuals by name, let's pick on positions by puzzle fit. Okay? The Vikings are putting together a puzzle, and now we're to the key pieces. We're, we're, we're to the middle. It's Thanksgiving night, and the family's <laughs> fighting, and they're putting together a puzzle. And, and they're, they're sick of each other, and they're full, and they're not comfortable. and But they've got this damn puzzle, and it's right to the middle. And now pieces don't fit, okay? The pieces are beautiful. like They look really nice. It's an ocean, but they don't fit. This is where we are with the Vikings' offense as a whole. So forget Cook's name and forget Cousins' name. But think about what you saw on Sunday, and it's 2020 now, and things have changed. And this is why I keep, and this does not make him a bad coach, but I keep coming back to is what Mike Zimmer wants to do, a fit in the league he Mm -hmm. now coaches in. Because you literally had this Dalvin Cook, your most important player, beyond a shadow of a doubt offensively, who was helpless, basically, to do anything. And now, it's all, now it all goes on Kirk. Every bit of it goes on Kirk. And can you do, do this? And Jefferson drops that that ball. But you know what? There's also the two errant passes for Thielen, which weren't great. I mean, the, the one I think could have been caught, but probably not. The, that's why I think the conversation here is, and this is why I don't get it, because Spielman and Zimmer, I don't think they're bad at what they do, but I can't really tell what they're doing and if they're on the same page. Because the priority of how to build a team now, I think is pretty clear. Like, I don't think it's a a grand um, or some big secret. But how the Vikings are doing it doesn't really make sense. And that's not to pick on people. That's to pick on construction. Yeah, and and here's another thing.
2: And I'm sure you heard some of the same stuff, you know, in our evaluation on Ventline on Sunday and in the follow-up Monday. When I brought up the 168 fourth-quarter comebacks in the NFL the last three years stat, the Vikings have won. 160 so that's an someone did the math on that it's like an average of two per team per season or something and the vikings have one so that's so they should have six on average the better teams like the bills have nine or 10 over those three years when i said the better teams the better teams at coming back in the fourth quarter like the sure. bills are the bills have like 10 of them um the main rebuttal i got back was well maybe you should try holding on to a lead in the fourth quarter instead of having to come back from down Well, let's go down that path. Two things, like this is—it's all a circle, right? All right. Well, show me the path to a better defense. Let's go. Let's push that rock back up that hill. All right, we're gonna build the number one defense again. Got to nail all these draft picks. Got to devote all this cap space to all these guys, Sheldon Richardson, all this stuff, right? So that would be one way. Yep, build a better defense that holds on to leads in the fourth quarter. Um, the the which it's just not super realistic. The other thing is even with a decent defense, it is the NFL teams blow leads in the fourth quarter, they go back and forth. It's not realistic to score the first touchdown and hold on to the lead for 3 hours. Like that's not how it works. Sure. When you especially when you face good quarterbacks, guess what? Russell Wilson, he's probably going to punch back in the fourth quarter. Just just a hunch. Matt Ryan even on a bad team is probably going to punch back a little in the second half because he's got pride. And he's a former MVP. And so whether you have the 32nd ranked defense or the first ranked defense, you're going to find yourself in spots where you are now trailing in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. Why can't the Vikings win games when they're trailing in the fourth quarter? Because systematically running back, play action, offensive line is not elite. All these different reasons. The quarterback isn't mobile. Like I would rather have a team that's kind of flawed a little bit between like the first quarter and the third quarter and, Maybe isn't the best defensive team, but you know what? In a league where close games are the regular thing and there's two minutes on the clock, I've got it down. Whether that's because I have a mobile quarterback or I've just got a system that plays toward throwing the ball without having to leverage play action, I'd rather have that with a bunch of other flaws than a team that looks damn great for three hours up until there's two minutes to go and then can't find itself and has no idea how to cross the 50-yard line
0: you at the very least need to feel like you have a chance to come back late. And right now the Vikings do not. Yep. Like you need to at least go into that drive against the Cowboys at the end there with the feeling that it's very realistic to at least get into field goal range to tie the score. And then if something goes wrong, it goes wrong. But the problem is Tennessee, Seattle, and now this game, it's felt basically futile. And that it can't feel futile. It can't feel that way. That's not how this league operates. But, yeah, they, they are. It just it the thing that would scare me the most is that Mike Zimmer, basically, in a lot of ways on Sunday, got his ideal game and you still lost and you lost because of the unit that he thinks is always going to win. And, I mean, you know, Chris Jones literally watched a man run by him. Like, you can't have that, but you had it. So what's your response? Yep. So a lot a lot to unpack
3: here and, and just the, the lastly the like the smart ass comment of like well why don't you uh stay ahead why don't you not blow the lead isn't the whole point of the stat of the fourth quarter comeback is because you were down so we have to come back that's mm-hmm. like saying well uh, the twins only have one walk off out of 500 in major league baseball well why can't we get one walk-off then?
2: Because the other team is full of professionals and all yes. pros, too. But the pro- Maybe not Dallas. But the but-
0: problem with what you both are saying is Zimmer's comeback would be what the smart Alec comment is, yes. which is we shouldn't ever blow that lead. But you're going to. I know. Yeah. So but you're have
2: to retake <laughs> the lead. Someone someone said, well, Kirk, and, and I'm going to leave Kirk's name out of it because Kirk was great on Sunday. Okay. All right. But the Vikings, the Vikings offense, somebody came back and said, the Vikings offense took the lead twice in the fourth quarter. So what do you say to that? And I say. Well, they had time to do it the third time. They should have they done it a, the third time. They had a lot of time, actually. And the offense is much better this season than the defense. And so when there's a game in the balance, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to pin it on one or the other, and there's still two minutes left on the clock, the offense's work isn't done. Oh, well, we already did this twice.
0: Actually, Screw this. Actually, no. I got news Score for Score again! You. Dallas! Their work was done. <laughs> well, their wor- their work was, was done. Unfortunately, against Tennessee, <laughs> Seattle, and Dallas, yeah. their work was done. All right. That's a wrap on this episode
2: of Purple Daily. Our work is not done. We're going to keep pumping out episodes this holiday week, and we'll be here for you right after the Vikings and maybe Teddy Bridgewater if he's healthy, if he's playing, little, uh little little clash.
3: You steal my heart.
2: Vikings Vent Line. And uh, you can check out last week's episode on Sunday to Apple, Spotify, as part of the Purple Daily Podcast. And thanks to everyone for subscribing to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast.